Welcome to the One O'ahu Podcast. I'm Brandy Higa, and today is Thursday, June 29th, 2023. Joining us this week is Mayor Rick Blangiardi. Mayor, how's your summer going? <laughs> That's a great Relaxing, question, Brandy, yeah. because, yes, yeah, it's really just kicking back, waiting for the school year to start and so we can get going again. Are you kidding me? I can't even believe it's June 29th, and, of course, tomorrow we start the rail, which is a phenomenal achievement. I'm so excited and proud to be a part of this. Um, but wow, time is flying. It is going by so fast, uh, and and we're so busy. And look, we just got the budget approved. We also begin our new fiscal year now, and the day after tomorrow. And really excited about that budget. And maybe that's what we're going to talk about later. But it's uh, there's a lot. There's a lot going on. It's very exciting. Very promising. Right, like you mentioned, tomorrow the day we finally get to celebrate the state's largest public works project. Your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions heading into, really, this is a historic day. Yeah, you know, I will tell you that I had the benefit last Sunday of going out for Ohana Day, and we had a little bit more than 300 people, and a lot of them were our own employees and their families, and, and we all got on, the train was packed, it was standing room only, it was Skyline, I'm not gonna call it the train of the rail anymore, <laughs> Skyline was packed, we got out there in just 22 minutes to Kapolei and back, and the oohs and the ahs, <laughs> I'm sorry for these the ooze and the eyes which is terrific and the excitement afterwards people it sort of met everybody's you know expectations if not exceeded they, they they heard it was going to be great and nobody could say it wasn't you know they were all like wow this is so cool it was fast it was quiet it was air conditioned the view was great all of that so look I um, I'm proud of the fact that when we first got into office two and a half years ago in the middle of the pandemic um, times were very difficult and not only that, I just finished listening after we won the election for months on end of Zoom calls, listening to one group after the other, day after day, just complain about the rail, talk about you know all the kinds of things they should. It, just a, it was just a much more negative than it was positive. And so I knew it was a pressing and burning problem. And then add to that, the other candidates, when they were running, they all had their own statements that they wanted to make about what they would do or whatever. And to me, it was just a lot of confusion. I had known that the FTA had pulled back. They hadn't contributed any money since 2017, so I knew we had a credibility issue there. So all the way around, stepping into office in the middle of a pandemic with credibility issues on a project that we were clearly in breach of contract with the FTA, our construction partner, with a community that had been disenfranchised, to say the least, now just two and a half years later, to have reconciled all of that. I'm very proud of that, and I'm very, very appreciative, and I'm really excited about the road ahead. I like that you did use the name Skyline. I feel like it's going to take a little bit for people to start it, calling it, it that. It'll, it'll, take, it'll take a little bit, but there was a picture in Sunday's paper just spoke to the whole thing. You know, there it is, straight and narrow out there on, on the horizon. It's more sky than whatever. I said, you know, look, I, I've, you hear the critics on anything and everything. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, there's, I've heard a lot of positive, too, which I think is good. Um, I've been around name changes before and branding changes and marketing challenges and whatever, and it's amazing how people will adopt to something new. Mm -hmm. uh, and we just have to kind of push it in time. And uh, you know, the whole idea here was we just felt the name, the rail, had too much negativity associated with it. And Skyline is good, and I think it'll roll off of people's tongues. And, and look, and for what it's worth, for those people who may be anticipating a Hawaiian name. We had looked at a bunch of those. They'd gone through a number of focus groups actually prior to my coming. Mm -hmm. um, 
And surprisingly, skylines seem to work real well. And when you do ride the rail, there's lots of Hawaiian in it. As uh, you saw this past week, the Star Advertiser has been talking about the stations and whatever. But even the audio, when you're on there, and the signs coming up at the stations are in Hawaiian, and it's got the English underneath, but they're saying Hawaiian on the train. There's plenty of respect for our, our culture, there's for, for the indigenous culture of our Hawaiian people. Plenty, plenty of respect. I think skyline will just be easy for people in, in time. Mayor, a couple years now, but there's finally folks moving into the Evilay Resource Center. Let's take a step back. Why was that space so difficult to fill in your you mind? Know, it's complicated to explain. It was hard for me to even comprehend because when we showed up in office, there it was, you know, mm -hmm. nearly completed at the time, and then it was at $23 million. I went down to visit it early on and went, wow, uh, and thought, well, this is going to be great. And then we found out that the way it was purchased, and this is where it gets complicated for the average person, with the kinds of bonds that were used to build that, uh, precluded um, doing some stuff, <laughs> you know, straight up. And it was crazy that it was built with money, with the expression in political circles is the color of money, but it was sort of the wrong color, so we had a problem. And on top of that, they had built this incredible kitchen in trying to lure a river of life out of Chinatown uh, is to create an eating facility for them. As it turns out, as, as you well know, we were able to get Chinatown out of there without having to offer them a facility like that and they're in River of Life out of Chinatown. And they're thriving in their new ministry and, and pleased with the way it's going. And so we have this kitchen and we have these other spaces. Honestly, the way it was purchased, you had to take a percentage of the building you could do this in, and the other percentage you couldn't. And, and, and the way it was sort of divided, it was, it was crazy. I, I, you know, it was my first foray into this whole issue of the color of money. And I thought, this doesn't make sense. We built it. It wasn't cheap at $23 million, And we can't utilize it the way we want to utilize it. So we, we finally got it figured out, I think. Quite honestly, I just said, we need to do this. <laughs> I don't even know if it's completely figured out. We're doing it because it makes the most sense. And, um, and right away, uh, I, it's really... Um, pretty incredible because we know sooner opening we had four people in there on the first day and I think by this week uh, I'm sure but I haven't checked in the last couple of days it, it must be full by now and these are really our most needy these are people uh, that we're taking in who really need to go horizontal on a bed the kinds of people in many cases you see lying out in the streets or whatever but we think we can do a lot uh, we've got wraparound services we can provide both medical and psychological treatment for people um, you know as we know most of our homeless people well at least half of them that are out in the street have been out there for a long time uh, the experts tell me at least 10 years or more uh, in a very high percentage well over 90 percent suffer from some kind of mental illness or addiction problem that just makes it very very difficult for them and then you've got all kinds of other things you know um, so it's a it's a difficult that's why it's it's not easy it's difficult to work with but there are ways to work with that and i think our core strategy now in fact we just got a four and a half million dollar grant from the state it's going to allow us to double our team from 30 to 60. we have eight vehicles on the road um, we're starting to do some other things in other places where in working with the governor uh, to provide wraparound services because we need those kinds of monies that they get because they have the department of health along with our physical facilities, I think you're gonna see more and more of this kind of a model 
where we'll be hiring people for the wraparound services. And in another case, we're going to work with the Burns School, Johnny Burns School of Medicine, uh, both on a Powahi Street clinic, but also in a couple of other places to help uh, with their training of their, their doctors and stuff. So, I, I look, there's, there's a lot of promise to this. This is a lot better than just kicking them around, having them show back up, uh, and, and not dealing with the systemic issues of the problem. And what I like about this is it's humane, it gives people their dignity, it's the right thing to do, and it can be highly effective. Yeah, for those who weren't there, I like that you mentioned, you know, the individuals, before we could even set up the microphone stand to let the media know, hey, help us spread the word, this resource is here for the community. There are already patients in beds. That paints a powerful yeah. picture of the need, I right? Know. But like Dr. Ireland mentioned, we'd like to replicate this. Yeah. How possible is that? Well, I think we can get three or four of those in this coming year, not built in the $23 million right, facility, right. but other facilities where we could do state, I talked to Dr. Ireland, and uh, he thinks we can generate 250 people a year out of one of those facilities that where we take them in, and within 30 days they're ready to go somewhere, not back out on the street. And if we could do 250 people out of one, if we could get three or four of those, we could take 1,000 people of the most challenging off the streets in a given year and not have them go back out to the streets in just a year's time as we go forward. I mean, it's, we don't have them all set up right now, but we got plans for that that I think we can meet sooner rather than later. Um, we can do that, that's gonna be huge. And that's, that's just one part. There's some other things that we're working on now too with additional bed space with the state, with Leahy Hospital and a couple of other things. Um, you need places to take people. If you can do that and you can provide those services, then it's, it's okay to do. And even if they, don't, they can't make a decision for themselves, it's okay to do. We got some pretty troubling news just over a week ago. Richiana de Guzman, the 17-year-old girl who was shot in the head in Maili, um, she's still on life support, but I know that you had a message for her family. What was that message? Well, we went down and we met with them. And, you know, I'd watched her mom on the video, and I thought no mother should have to suffer that pain, you know, and um, or any parent for that matter, for any child. It was... That was one of the most painful interviews I'd seen because you could you could see it was she was just destroyed by that. And we went down to meet with the family the other day, and they've pitched a tent out across the street because they're trying to hold a vigil, and they quite honestly can't afford to go back and forth out to the west side. The cost of doing that, and the time, and everything, and so um, and a, you know, and we talked with them and brought them some. Um, we actually took up a collection, and, and I was so touched by that. So many of our people just contributed to it, and we. It was only a few hundred dollars, but it, it meant so much to them. But I think more than anything, we just told them to hang in there. I mean, they told they gave me some encouraging news the other day uh, that she was showing some vital signs that the doctors were encouraged by. But I will tell you that um, it's a uh, it's a really incredibly sad event, so tragic because it was just so unnecessary. What makes it even more? tragic is that this isn't the first uh, you know just a month ago another 17 year old uh, although it was in Makaha um, also suffered to the hands of gun violence what if anything can be done well you know we're gonna actually have some town halls we're gonna go out and talk a meeting with uh, 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 another yet again another meeting I, I I don't know right now because you know one of those was a ghost gun yeah. Uh, and, and people getting stuff. You know, we've taken a really strong stance. It took a lot of criticism about our, our attitude on the sensitive places when the Supreme Court mm -hmm. talked about open carry. And, of course, all those people claimed that they're well-trained and whatever. And, and, you know, but we, we said we don't want to do anything to encourage people having guns. And while our crime statistics are down, 
gun violence is certainly up, you know. And we saw a road rage incident earlier uh, this this weekend, I think it was. I mean, earlier in the week anyway. I think it was over the weekend of a woman with a gun, you know. And um, it's um, and we, you know, and and, and last week uh, we had another incident where somebody was was shot by the police. Uh, because they had a, they had picked up a rifle apparently, and they were killed instantly. And whether or not they were intended, I don't, I don't know enough about it. I want to be careful here, but you know, this is the gun violence, and in, in, in some cases now of the police shooting people and stuff, as well as other people. It's just, it's just too much. It's not anything we've been used to, and I think you continue on the education front as best we can, and um, hope somehow, some way, we can reach people. A few months ago, HPD began enforcing the Waikiki Beach closures, um, overnight closures, about three hours overnight. Um, what's the feedback you're getting not growing from uh, Pretty Hawaiian good, actually, because we added to that, we added private security, and we have a team of uh, three teams of two, six people, experienced, uh, all badge officers, off-duty, uh, who are highly trained. They're also hand-picked, so they, they've got a lot of physical attributes, for a better way to say it. They're tough guys. Um, and they can deal with people who, as you sometimes can see, if you've seen one of those episodes where uh, they think that they can, you know, they're tougher than, if you will, you know, or they get loud or they think that they are entitled to something or they get threatening, these guys aren't going to put up with that. So we're working on that rather well. We've increased the fourth watch down there during daytime. Quite honestly, we have probably more plainclothes police officers, duty officers, and uh, crime reduction unit officers, along with private security from 8 p.m. to 4 a.m. than we've, we've ever had. So, uh, and then you've got the Safe and Sound program. Uh, we just need to get better at putting some of these guys away longer who are repeat offenders. There are also some complaints about um, some of the homeless individuals that are hanging out around St. Augustine Church and, and that area. Yeah. Um, has that situation been resolved? I know well, outside the close. church it has, but uh, and I've, I've met with Father Akiona last week, and I've asked him to suspend this feeding service. And I told him nicely, I'm asking Father, but if you don't agree, then I'm going to do everything in my power to shut it down. I think there may be something I can do. It's not about not doing God's work. I appreciate that and respect that. I just said about treating our own homeless the way we're dealing with, you know, but th this is not God's work at the expense of others. And what's happened, unfortunately, we've documented it. We have all the video of the mm -hmm. same people eating across the street, then going over to the picnic tables and across Kalakaua and hanging out and not being, not even being good. And, you know, and uh, just uh, that, as I said to him, we learned a lot with River of Life leaving Chinatown mm -hmm. and the impact that that had. So you can't tell me, add to this the documentation, we were able to substantiate the data. The same guys, you know, eating at the church across the table, and, we, we, and he was like blown away at that. That's why I, I went to see him last October, and I, I said to him, I don't want to push you, I understand what you're doing, but I'm going to ask you nicely, but I'll give it a little bit of time and see, we'll clean up the, so we cleaned up outside the church, we have. And I've heard from Marriott Corporation, they're very grateful for that because before people could even walk up and down Ohua. Mm -hmm. But the one hour a day that they feed and then the Thursday nights that they wash, they have showers and all that, well, it sounds good. Having that go on in the middle of Waikiki is not good for business. It just isn't because you were enabling guys. I mean, there's a rule of thumb on the people that are hardcore and dealing with this who actually do a lot of good work with homeless people and is that you know if you feed and give them money if you do either of those where you're enabling them especially whether you have bad guys lurking in the homeless population 
which they are in Waikiki because of what it affords them and the way of petty crimes and other things that they can do, that's not good. And that's what we want to stop. I mean, down there, that's where we absolutely want to stop. You know, stop. The River of Life model, though, kind of had you know an option B, where, where they had different locations across the island where they could disperse food, and maybe it's not you know in the middle of where people are. You know, there's heavy foot traffic, but it's wherever families are, where there's yep. different populations. Is there a model like that that could work for the church instead of just in the middle of? You know, I think that, that he's willing to consider that. I think he was looking at that because we talked about it. And I'm waiting for him to get back to me as of this recording that he would come up with some alternative thing so he right. could feel like maybe they were dealing with local, because there are some local, I'm not denying that, because St. Augustine's has been doing that for many, many years. And I, I'm not denying that there's some good people who are in need of food, food have really serious food issues. And, and if the church can help with that, that's great. Um, and I think he's trying to come up with an alternative thing because as I said it's about location and the thing about the Waikiki scenario is like I said a moment ago it really affords these guys because of the crowds of people the kinds of people that they're the vulnerability of those people if you will as tourists and whatever and their ability to prey on them or pry on them or however you want to say it it's not good since we were last year some key hiring announcements were made I want to start with Keith Suzuka new deputy yeah. director for Department of Land Management what stood out to you about, about him well, one thing is I have such enormous respect for Kat Tasher, mm -hmm. who's our director, who you know said time and again to me that Keith was her mentor. She learned so much of what uh, she now knows and does. They were both partners at McCorriston, big law firm downtown. And uh, the fact that he's chosen now, because we've tried to recruit him for about a year, <laughs> and he's finally decided to come do it with us is sort of the challenge we told him. This is a calling because there's so much good we could be doing, even related to what we're just talking about with land management and our acquisitions and having really a good strategy and be able to execute. Um, the fact that she was able to hire the guy that was her mentor uh, that she could rely on to not only finish her sentences, but to you know work with her on the tremendous amount of uh, detail and, and work that goes into those kinds of things because all these acquisitions are complicated. That's a really good thing. So we're really happy to have Keith. He brings a depth and breadth of experience that is exactly what we needed. So we got very lucky here. We're very grateful. Also this week, the announcement of two nominees for the Honolulu Liquor Commission. Yeah. What do you hope to get out of those two nominees? Well, I've interviewed both of them. They're both really dynamic. One has a lot of experience actually at the Liquor Commission. One, Both of them are exciting, intelligent people, passionate who for different reasons um, want a tough assignment. They want to work in a challenging scenario for the city. And I was so grateful. That was one of the things that they probably had in common. They're very different from each other. Uh, and uh, Sal and Lisa. And um, But I have a lot of confidence in what they're going to represent. So that now will bring us to five on the commission. So the next big job is to... Um, hire the administrator, but we actually have conducted a private study we're about to release out there that's more than concerning. It, um, it's disturbing, actually, and, and unacceptable, and so we'll be making that public. Uh, so we've got our work cut out for us, you know, because the Liquor Commission touches a lot of places, because mm -hmm. a lot of places serve alcohol and, uh, and buy alcohol. And um, we found, you know, from the standpoint of its functioning capability, not good, not good at all. Untrained people, lack of investment, lack of know-how, other things that have gone on, just we have to get that cleaned up. And I put all of that on the burden of leadership, who's on the commission, who's running the commission, and making sure that they can keep all of that in check. So we've got our work cut out for us. 
Mayor, another, well, not really an addition. He's been with us, but Ben Sullivan, who's been with the city for a couple years now, does excellent work for the Office of Climate Change, Sustainability, and Resiliency. He's now the deputy director over there at CCSR. Yeah, he was kind of our energy czar, if you will. <laughs> and, um, you know, Ben joined us a couple years ago. He came over from Kauai. And I was just on a panel with uh, Derek Kawakami uh, last week, and Derek was singing his praises and how much they had missed him. Uh, and Ben, in his couple of years with us, has really been an impact player. I'm just, uh, while we were saddened to see Nicola Hedge leave, who moved with her family back home to New Zealand for, with her young kids, understandable, a lot of family things that that were going on for her, and excited for her to be able to make such a great move in her young life. She was doing a wonderful job. To have Ben on staff and then have Ben be willing to step into those shoes mm -hmm. and run that. And then the combination, quite honestly, how they complement each other, Ben and his knowledge and passion, and Matt Gonzer, our director, I, I feel really good about who's in charge now uh, and have actually for a while in Office of Climate Change and Sustainability and Resilience. So I think all that to say, it's tough when you lose a really good person, but it just speaks to hiring really well having good people on board, and you don't do it out of convenience. In this particular case, it was a, a, a great, and that's happened to us a bunch of times mm -hmm. because we've had such quality people join our team, they would have put them into that role. So I'm excited to see what Ben's gonna do. You mentioned that panel, and I always think it's exciting when you have all the county mayors in one room, um, but that Hawaii Energy panel that you, that you sat on last week, can yeah. you tell us a little bit about what happened there and some of the questions maybe that you guys tackled? Yeah, well, they gave us all the five minutes to talk about climate change, each one of us. Mm -hmm. Of course, we all have different philosophies, I think, on, uh, but at the same time, as a common denominator, all of us are quite aware mm -hmm. of sea level rise around us and the other impacts that we face with respect to what could happen with excessive rains and flooding and and uh, all of us have infrastructure issues as far as coping with that and so on. So I, I think that you know what we're able to share there is that it's a top of mind priority. It's not anything that anybody's discounting or discarding, uh, that each island into its own way is taking its own steps uh, to deal with some things. You know, one of the couple of things we got going on here, we've got f two flood mitigation projects going on, along with benchmarking, which we're gonna get our results tomorrow uh, on all the buildings and that allows us to try to help people you know I think Matt Gons has said it well when he said if you don't have the metrics you don't know what you can do or whatever so we're doing everything we can for energy efficiency we're leveraging federal monies where they're available and, and we're also uh, looking at a bill for which is going to allow us to help with the homes to keep energy efficient homes and stuff um, so I, it's just a whole lot of stuff going into it. So I think what we did the other day was each mayor was able to give a little bit of a glimpse on where their priorities were. Like Mitch Roth, for example, on the Big Island talked about hydrogen, which is not really in our conversation mm -hmm. over here. And why he's excited about it is he's buying hydrogen buses or whatever. You know, and that's just one example. I mean, um, Rick Bisson showed a film that was a really <laughs> nice film. I didn't get to see it because it was behind me, so I'm at a loss, but everybody seemed to be watching the film. I was watching the people watch the film, but they'd be sitting under the screen, which, anyway. Uh, so, but I, I think that, you know, I think it's a challenge for, for a mayor everywhere in every city because you watch these newscasts at night, the national newscasts, and these places are getting blown away either with heat waves, excessive heat waves, or, or tornadoes, and all these other things, and these flooding and stuff, and you see small town after small town talking about, we, I've lived here for however, I've never seen anything like this, and it, it's just happening with such consistency across the board that um, 
you got to pay attention to it. And we're all paying attention to it. I think that's the thing that came across, hopefully, what they heard from all of us. I try to be as specific in my comments as I could in the five minutes, but we're all we're all paying attention to it and doing stuff about it. What did you present on for the city and county of Honolulu? Well, I kind of talked about that a little bit. I talked about the fact that, you know, when we... We, we shifted when we came into office. We, uh, we looked at uh, CCSR, which I had been on the commission. Mm-hmm. Mayor Caldwell had me on that commission from its inception. Um, and it was really a policy-making um, deal in the beginning. And Mike Formby and I, uh, in our discussions, we were putting together our, our, our cabinet, talked about we wanted to really make a shift from adaptation, I mean, from policy-making to adaptation. Mm-hmm. And, and start to have some things that would manifest. You know, it was even before we came into office, we learned that we lost the LOI flood mitigation project, mm-hmm. for an example, and we were able to get that back um, through some hard work and fast talk, if you will, with the, with the Army and, and with Washington. But um, it's those kinds of things, like what are we doing, okay? So, so that's the first thing. And then, then we focused on, on, on affordability, of those in most in need, and can we help them? Because climate change is an expensive thing. Mm-hmm. So how, how can we do that? I, I talked about um, leveraging federal monies and at the same time trying to work with uh, our own Department of Planning and Permitting so that we can build homes with people where, um, where we, could, we can do the proper things and not have it become cost prohibitive. We're, we're, we're really sensitive to that. So, Last week you signed the budget bills for the next fiscal year. When it comes to that budget that was approved by city council, what are you most pleased with in that package? I think well, what I'm really pleased with is the fact that for the second year in a row now, and with more clarity than we even had the year before, that we understood where our priorities were. And we wanted to have the sufficient resources to be able to deal with those, and those challenges. And so that's what I'm happy about. That conceptually, um, we didn't come out of that thing going, oh, wow, they just completely cut this out from under us. We're not going to be able to do this, or we're not going to be able to do that. That's not the case. There was a real shared vision. There was uh, a real good understanding. Look, there was a lot of going back and forth, and the te- all the teams, both the council and all of our directors, hammered out a lot of agreements there. And so there was some give and take, but for the most part, we got everything that we needed to have uh, so we can try to execute on our continued efforts to not only improve the city, but quite honestly, change the trajectory of the city. Just last weekend, your deputy communications director got married. What was your advice to him? <laughs> well, I, I, hard, hard for me to be giving anybody advice on marriage, but I would tell you, <laughs> uh, but I will tell you that I, um, I certainly wished Ian and Catherine um, a lifetime of happiness together, and they made a beautiful couple. Their wedding. The wedding was spectacular. I think it went on for like six and a half hours, um, but it was a very loving setting. And I've known him now. You know, he was a big guy when I first met him. And, and, and I'm not saying he got any taller or any heavier. In fact, he's probably in better <laughs> shape. But I've watched him grow. You know, I've watched him grow from the time he first started working with us a number of years ago at Hawaii News Now. And since he came over and joined the team with you and Scott and, and Molly, he's. Um, and watched his, his, not only his maturity, but his, his ability to really um, understand things. Because as you know, you work in this, you know, the stuff that comes at us is, oftentimes some of the stuff is pretty complex. And uh, to be able to break that down and understand, you know, what we're doing, be able to work 
creatively with the other cabinet members because they all have serious issues and, and make it come out. All that stuff that we're trying to do to, to change the narrative and how we communicate with the public. He's just a really good contributing player and he's up to the task. I'm really happy he's here. I really want nothing but personal happiness for him, as I do for you. And Mayor, I think that's a good point for me to stop and ask you, you know, this is the one Oahu podcast, so for your one final thought. Wow. Well, I think right now, the day before, I'm setting on tomorrow because of the significance of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's iconic and historic. We're going to have a variable who's who there and VIPs and people. As I said earlier, I'm, I'm just proud of the fact that while I'm the fourth mayor to touch this, that I had the one, I had to be the one, I had the opportunity to kind of push the button and say, go, <laughs> we start. So that's, that's meaningful because this was, and look, it's gonna be an ongoing project. And I, even this, you know, the other day we had a meeting about the second phase and how fast we can get it done to get to uh, Middle Street. Um, it, it's just, uh, it's nice to know because I have a lot of confidence in how this project is going to actually be received once the public begins to engage it and write it, that we took something that just a couple of years ago, as I said earlier, that was such a sore spot, for want of a better way to say it, understandably too, after years of all kinds of stuff, that we could turn this into a, a real positive for this community. I think it's a shot in the arm for everybody. So I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of that. Mayor, thank you for your time. Thank you. Again, rail's opening day, as he just said, is tomorrow, June 30th. And while rides are free for opening weekend, you'll still need a valid holo card on July 1st. That's the first full day of rail operations. For more information on opening weekend or how to jump aboard Skyline, head to honolulu.gov rail. And just a reminder, you have just over a week left to cast your vote in our public naming contest for the Baby Rhino, first ever Baby Rhino born at the Honolulu Zoo. Three names to choose from, Akamu or Adam in Hawaiian, Ardi, that's a combination of his parents' names, Aria and Kendi, or Hiapo, meaning first born in Hawaiian. Voting donation boxes are set up at Kapuhulu Market, that's the zoo's concession. You can also cast your vote online at honoluluzoo.org and voting closes on July 9th. Remember, if you have a question you want answered on this podcast, you can submit your questions by heading to oneoahu.org slash podcast. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, aloha.